0: gazette newspapers presents the parting shots podcast now here's your host daily gazette associate sports editor ken schott thank you scott Geezy, and welcome to the parting shots podcast available wherever you get your podcast subscribe today thanks for joining me from the parting shots podcast studio in schenectady new york we have another great show for you we can subtitle this edition as the mike and mike show Mike Jensen of the Philadelphia Inquirer joins me later to discuss the surprise resignation of Villanova men's basketball head coach, Jay Wright. First, though, we're going to talk Kentucky Derby, which takes place Saturday at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. Here to discuss the race is Daily Gazette sports writer and the 2021 New York Press Association's Writer of the Year, Mike McGadden. Mike, congratulations on the award, and welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks a million, Ken. Thanks for having me. Certainly a thrilling... Uh Honored to receive that. I, I, before I forget, I do want to mention I've met Mike Jensen, and he is a horse racing guy. I think I met him at the Philadelphia, or the Pennsylvania Derby a couple times. So S- super
0: nice guy. Yeah, we had Parks uh, and down there in sure, Ben right. Salem, Pennsylvania. Yeah, not, my neck of the woods. Down there a couple times, and
1: and Mike Jensen was there both times, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about this derby, and of course, what's lingering
0: linging over this derby is the fact that one particular person will not be there, trainer Bob Baffert. He's barred from Churchill Downs for the next two derbies and is suspended from training anywhere until July 2nd in the wake of uh, Medina Spirit's drug-positive test out of the 2021 derby. Uh, does this... You know, Bob Baffert's not being there. Is I mean, is that the dominating story right
1: now? I don't think it's the dominating story. It's just sort of this like dark sidebar that everybody's aware of. And um, you know, I, I've been kind of joking that it, it would it would be like the perfect ending would be for his two horses that he's been training all along, uh, Messier and Taba, to finish one two in the Derby just to mess with everybody's heads. They currently trained by Tim Yakteen who who received these horses. In the nick of time, because the owners knew they had really good horses and they wanted to run in the Derby, but they couldn't if they were in Baffert's barn. So they were transferred just before the Santa Anita Derby to tim Yakteen and and they finished one-two. And they, you know, they certainly are two of the best three-year-old colts in the country, and and deserve to be in the Derby. But that, you know, um, I just, you know, like I said, I think it's just a dark sidebar. I don't think it's the dominating theme. It's a, a Typically wonderful 20-horse field. There's going to be great betting prospects. There's good stories behind a lot of these horses. and uh, So whoever wins, it's going to be interesting, and that's going to be the story. I mean, Baffert's not there, so he's he's out of the picture. He's just sort of always lurking in the background and and will certainly resurface later this year.
0: What's his lasting legacy, though? I mean, he's been a great trainer,
1: but this has got to really put a stain on that. It's the double-edged... You know the two-sided coin that I think, like for instance, the, you get a lot of comparisons to Lance Armstrong, who you know was the best of the best and was the face of the of his sport for a long time, and then had that dark cloud of the drug stuff hanging over it, you, you also hear a lot of comparisons between Baffert and Lance Armstrong because of all the the legal fighting that they've done to try to get out of these um, suspensions. Uh, so there's a parallel there that everybody um, draws. Um, this current, you know, the the Medina spirit thing, if we just want to isolate that and not look at the other drug positives that he's had over the last couple of years, um, to me, it, it kind of smells a little bit like busting Al Capone for uh, tax evasion because the drug in question is a legal drug, but you can't have any of it in your system on race day in uh, Kentucky. And, and they found a teeny tiny amount, I'm willing to believe that it was from this, um, this patch that he had on his on his coat to uh to to um uh, cure the this rash that he had or whatever it was and it wasn't injected um to to be a performance enhancing thing but that said he got busted and he's got to pay the price and um so back to your original question um his legacy is going to be very similar to Lance Armstrong no matter what the the rest of the picture uh, holds for him
0: and of course so he's you know fighting to get the suspension uh, from New York State overturned right
1: yeah and um that is currently um there's a hearing officer recently recommended that his suspension be upheld um there's a committee of three that is reviewing it I think they're probably still in the period where um Baffert's lawyers can file exceptions um and then it goes to the review. This review committee of three. Um, <clears throat> I wrote a story about it when the late when the hearing officer came down with the recommendation, and the next day got a, an email from a PR company that Baffert's lawyers had had hired. Um, Claiming that uh, well, first of all, there it's a quote from one of his lawyers saying that they're disappointed that the commit that this is kind of like a rubber stamp committee that Naira appointed, so they have they don't have a fighting chance with these three people. So one of the things they want to try to do is get a new committee or change the process somehow, um, and then also had like itemized all the various drug uh, positives that he's had and and. Um, Sort of making arguments about why they were, you know, two of them were overturned because they were deemed um, environmental contamination, uh, and then, you know, they they were kind of making their arguments of why these these drug positives that everybody keeps referring to weren't really um, that egregious or or whatever. So, um, uh, so yeah, New York is in the picture separately from everything else, but in the meantime, Baffert can't train anywhere. Uh, until July 2nd because California suspended his license and in North America when that happens every other racing jurisdiction honors uh, that suspension and so he can't race anywhere until July 2nd.
0: Well, enough about Bob Baffer. Let's uh, move
1: exactly. on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that yeah. one.
0: Well, let's talk. Uh, you spoke with uh, Ray Bryan earlier on Wednesday yep. about uh, – he's from Saratoga Springs – about uh, this horse, Mo Donicle. Uh Mo won the Wood Memorial. He's uh, going to break from the number one position down at the Kentucky Derby. And uh, yeah, Ray owns a share of the horse through Donical Racing. But he's uh, picking family over the uh, race because his <laughs> uncle is turning 70, and there he's going to be at the birthday party. I mean – Uh, What did he say about that?
1: The first thing he said was he doesn't want to mess with karma um, family over racing, so he's going to be in Colorado Springs with a party of 85 to celebrate his uncle's birthday. And I I said, well, how are you going to watch the race? And he said, well, I don't know. I'm probably going to be sitting at a table with my phone and some earplugs in and and watching it there unless they have a big screen set up or something like that. But he said, "He, I don't want to mess with karma and, and, you know, pick my own, um, you know, personal uh you know event that i want to attend to uh, you know kind of selfishly and and uh um so he's doing the family thing and i I think i think the racing gods probably are are agreeing with his decision (laughs) because the worst thing in the world would be you know to go to the Derby and and miss his you know something bad happening you know I don't know yeah. that but that's what he was referring to from a karma standpoint. Right, Ray, raise a fun story. He's originally from Ohio. He um uh, he he went to Skidmore College in Saratoga and uh, was at at that time was dabbling in like a minor in theater or he you know he's studying theater and and in one of his classes they said hey they need people for the filming of this movie over at the, the racetrack called billy bathgate so he put his name on the list and got picked to be kind of a gopher running around the set um he said he, he got to meet tom cruise and nicole kidman and and it was kind of a cool experience and it kind of planted the seed he'd never been into racing before that and then Um, you know, several years after he got out of college, um, he worked in the city and then he came back to Saratoga and he got, he got into racing ownership. So he's owned a part of the Donegal, um, uh, horses that they buy every year since, uh, probably the better part of 10 years now. I know, um, his first experience at the Derby was with a horse named Dullahan, which was shortly after, um, Ray got on board with Donegal and, uh, uh, he finished third in the derby which was pretty cool and this will be the third donegal horse that um they've had in the derby since ray got involved with them so uh so fun fun story the horse you know i'm not gonna pick him on top he, you know he i was down there to watch him win the wood memorial at aqueduct uh last month and the horse obviously belongs in the race based on that and and uh you know he's a really good horse We're, we'll see how he likes the mile and a quarter but we'll we'll see that with everybody because no one's done it yet
0: well, there's barely any presence of uh, Saratoga Race Course on the Derby's uh, horses' resumes. Only two raced up at Saratoga, and one of those is the is on the also eligible list, and we'll need a scratch to draw on the field. How's that going to work?
1: Um, well, I think it's a reflection of the, the trend in recent years where horses don't, you know, horses that are meant for the Kentucky Derby tend to not begin their careers until a lot later than they used to. In fact, I went back and checked the career debut for. The 20 horses that are currently in the field proper, not counting uh, Rattle and Roll, who, um, who uh, did run at Saratoga last year. The only other one who did run at Saratoga was Classic Causeway. Uh, he debuted in a maiden race, one by six and a half lengths, last August. Other than that, um, by my research, we've got... Uh, so the other 19 horses besides Classic Causeway, we've got one, only one horse who actually raced before the the end of the Saratoga meet, and that's Messier, that's one of the Actine horses that we mentioned. He, he debuted in June of last year. Uh, there was one horse, uh, Tis the Bomb, who debuted on closing day of the Saratoga meet, which was Labor Day. Um, <laughs> You got a phone call there? I, I, I shouldn't even have brought it. I don't know why I did. I don't need it. Um, there's one horse. Sorry about that. Tis the Bomb, who actually did de- make his career debut on Labor Day, which is closing day for Saratoga, but he did it at a track in Kentucky. Um, and then um, – <laughs> We have a phone call here. What's your what's your question, sir? <laughs> I hung up. Um, I think I know who it is, too, actually. Um – And now where was I? And so, and then, but we have four horses who didn't, who did not even race last year as um, two-year-olds and didn't debut until they were three-year-olds, which traces back to this horse named Apollo who had won the Kentucky Derby back in the late 1800s and until uh, Justify won the Triple Crown in 2018, there had been no horse unraced as a two-year-old to win the Kentucky Derby. So we got one of those animals in there. we've got four of them actually and uh but then the bulk of everybody else basically started in in the fall, October, November, December. Um so and I, like I said it's a, it's a reflection of how horses um these days uh tend to not race, not make their career debuts until pretty late in their 2-year-old year. And, it, and I can say for Moldonicals part he, he was um he wasn't folded until April 19th which is very late so he's kind of young for his class also which yeah. explains why he didn't he didn't debut until what do we got September 30th a couple of weeks after Saratoga was done
0: uh handicap in the field we uh Chad Brown's got a couple of horses there in uh, Zandon and Epicenter uh are you, are you leading toward them or what's your what's your pick
1: um Epicenter is trained by Steve Asmussen um Okay. And 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 represents sure. Asmussen's yeah. best chance to win the Derby in a long time. It's one of the, he's he's in the Hall of Fame. He's won pretty much everything else. Um, and uh, Zandon is got to be Chad Brown's best horse to win the Kentucky Derby as well. Um, Mechanicville native. Um, I love both of those horses on top. Um, I kind of thought Epicenter might be the favorite, but uh, he's the second choice at seven to two. Uh, Zandon, who just won the Bluegrass, is uh, three to one. Which kind of shows you a little bit, just from the price standpoint, that it is fairly wide open field. Um, some of the other ones that I kind of like, uh, that I'm going to probably play, Chargett is very intriguing. He finished second in the Florida Derby. He's only raced twice in it. He's, again, he's another one of these that did not race at as a two-year-old. Um, and he was kind of green. He, he, you know, he had some trouble in that race and still ran very promisingly in the Florida Derby, finishing second to uh, White Abario. Um, so I kind of like charge it a little bit. Simplification I'm interested in. He came in third in the Florida Derby and, and won the Fountain of Youth at Gulfstream Park. And uh, and I think probably my one live big bomb long shot that I, that I want to try to use is Zosos, Zozos, Z-O-Z-O-S, um, who finished second in the Louisiana Derby. Um, uh, back to our guy Mo Donegal. I'm not. One thing I'm not in love with about him is that um, in finishing the Wood Memorial, the the Wood has not really been a key race for the Kentucky Derby over the years. Um, a Wood winner has not won the Kentucky Derby since uh, Fuzaichi Pegasus in 2000, um, and and a lot of horses don't even out of the Wood don't even make it to the Derby. So I think that's kind of one check mark against Mo Donegal. But um, you know, the two obvious favorites I, I I'm going to use for sure. And I, I kind of like Charger a little bit. Charger might be a really good Traverse horse because he's so lightly raced, uh, but he appears to have a, a ton of talent base on his uh, Florida Derby. Okay.
0: So it should be another
1: exciting Derby, yeah? I think so. Um, and I actually have the day off for a change. Which <laughs> You know, last year I was working in the office. I don't know if you remember, but as soon as Medina Spirit won, I, I said, and then they showed Baffert celebrating. Medina Spirit was like his fourth best three-year-old Colt at the time. His other ones didn't make it because of injury or whatever. And I just immediately blurted out, "This is bad for racing." And I this is, didn't even know the horse was going to touch. <laughs> just the fact that Baffert wins this thing every year, he's not going to win it this year. Yeah. I mean,
0: how long? Were you surprised it took that long to overturn that decision that for him to, to take away the victory?
1: I'm not surprised of anything when it comes to the administrative side of racing. I mean, stuff takes forever, and then there's you know the. The courts get involved, and you know that's going to drag on forever. He, he, you know, his lawyers are very tenacious and they're not going to let anything. Um, Nobody, it's one of those questions that's infuriating but you don't really have an answer for. That the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission just took forever to overturn, to uh, disqualify Medina Spirit and and elevate Mandaloon to, to first place. In uh, last year's derby it, I, I, you know, it's kind of a reflection of how racing just can't get its act together on a lot of things and, and that, that was a particularly infuriating one because it involved the Kentucky Derby and it just dragged on forever yeah. and it ain't over yet yeah. Well Mike, appreciate a few minutes
0: and uh, of course uh, we'll def- definitely talk to you as you know, I know we're two months away or so from Saratoga but we'll definitely uh, have you on the weekly uh, during the track meeting I can't believe that's two months
1: away Hey, you know, the same cycle every year. You, yeah. it, it, here it comes already. And good luck, everybody. I hope you hit some bombs on, uh, on Friday and Saturday and Oaks Day.
0: All right, that's Mike McAdam. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, the second half of the Mike and Mike show comes up next as Philadelphia Inquirer sports writer Mike Jensen joins me to talk about Villanova men's basketball head coach, Jay Wright's stunning resignation. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast.
1: I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division and school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us. Look no further than high school sports in New York. This message presented by the New York state public high school athletic association and the New
0: York state athletic administrators association.
1: This is Union College men's hockey head coach Josh Hauge. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. On April 20th, Jay Wright stunned the college basketball world when he announced his resignation after 21 seasons as the Villanova men's basketball coach and winning two NCAA titles. Joining me to discuss Wright's legacy is Mike Jensen, who covers college sports for the Philadelphia Inquirer, my hometown paper. Uh, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you coming on for a few minutes.
2: Hey, Ken, thanks for having me.
0: Well, I know when I reached out to you to talk about you know, having you come on here, you were you said you were out of the country when this happened. So I mean, did Jay Wright not consider your feelings when he made his announcement? <laughs>
2: yeah, how about that? How about that? He, 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 he dared to decide that... Uh, Succession and things like that, and telling his players, is more important than uh, uh, checking to see whether I was in the country or not. Uh, I was in uh, I was in Portugal actually, <laughs> and woke up to literally 37 texts. Yeah.
0: So how stunned were you? Me, I me, mean, I, mean, I, I was caught out of me. We we knew Mike Krzyzewski, uh was going to retire at the end of the year, and Everybody knew that, but this, like I said, it came out of the blue.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I'll put it this way. I, on the 1 to 10, maybe I was on 4.5. Uh, I, I knew Jake Wright didn't want to coach till he was 70. He didn't want to be Jim Bayhan. Uh I, I knew he had considered and seriously in the past. Uh, now at age 60, uh, do, do I rule out that he'll ever coach again, that he'll go to the NBA? I, I don't rule it out. He was an assistant coach under Greg Popovich and with Steve Kerr in, in Tokyo at uh, the Olympics. So I sort of first looked at that as like, well, that could feed his, uh, ego is the wrong word, but his, his sort of quest to be as good as he could be, um, by going to their level. On the other hand, then he's around NBA guys through a, you know, a weird quarantine Olympics and that might've taken care of that itch too. He, you know, we all know that in the Pros, the players are the, are, are the show and Jay is very much like a lot of them very much a control guy he had the program the way he wanted so so back to your question about how stunned I was you know I, obviously I didn't see after this season that he was ready to do it uh so very surprised in that sense um but knew that uh, and even had conversations that uh, one of these years, uh, in these next four years, I had a feeling I was going to be surprised at just this way.
0: Did you, in covering him this year, did you see him? Yeah, he mentioned in his press conference that he lost an edge. Did you see that at all? He, reading some of these stories, that uh, said some of his assistant coaches noticed that he didn't seem like he was his usual self.
2: I, I did not see it, honestly. I did not see it uh, in games. I did not see it talking to him. Uh, what I would say is that by doing that Olympic stint, by essentially going, I mean, you know, you don't just show up the Olympics, obviously. It's a whole cycle, and it was a delayed cycle. So this guy really hasn't had days off in, in months and months and months. So the assistant coaches could see it easier than, Uh, You know, the outside world, including us, even the close outside world. So I can believe they they would see some things. But also, let's realize that he had fifth year seniors in Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. So you're not going to be able to see those things when you've got guys who are, you know, essentially coaches on the floor.
0: I mean, does the word... Burnout coming into play here. Of course, I grew up in Philadelphia. I grew up in Philadelphia, and I remember Dick Vermeil resigning from the Eagles after the nineteen eighty season because he said he was burned out. Did you get? The, do you think Jay Wright was burned out?
2: No, I, I, I would frame it this way. I think a lot of sixty-year-olds, whether they coach college basketball and are the third highest-paid coach in college hoops, or you know, are sports writers or are in banking or anything else. Uh, it's around the age where you're thinking, okay, what do I want to do? How long do I want to do it? Do I want to do it in a different way? Uh, so I can completely believe he was asking those questions much more than he had when he was 52 years old. Uh, I, I, I think it was much more of that. How, how do I want to uh, uh, lead my life uh, the, the rest of the way? How do I want to structure my life realizing that? Uh, The legacy he created, um, you know, maybe could be gilded a little more, maybe not. Um, You know, it's quite possible that the things he uh, did that he'll be remembered for, he had already done. And so you can chase, you can always chase more. Dawn Staley said to me, I'm greedy. You know, she got one, she won another national championship at at South Carolina. You know, I'm sure, you know, Jays is... Hungry for for such things as anybody else, uh, but no, I, I I I I don't think burnout is, is cr- quite the right word at this stage because I because I don't think he'll be Dick Vermeule in the sense that I don't think we're suddenly going to see him popping up in the ACC three years from now. Yeah. I'd be very surprised. I'd that I'd be shocked. Ten out of ten shocked. Uh, th- that it. could an NBA team, make him an offer that he decides that I really want to try this. Yeah, I, I, I could believe that. It would just have to be perfect. I mean, I, I would say this, if the New York Knicks had a different owner, I sort of think that uh, he, he would have been really interested. He's a he's he's you know he's an adopted New York guy from the Philly suburbs, from Bucks County, but uh, New York loves him and he loves New York back, so I, I you know, that could have been a scenario I think if the Sixers had been a perfect scenario uh, back when the Colangelos were running things because they're at USA Basketball they got him involved in USA Basketball Jerry the dad specifically um, I, but that wasn't perfect and and you could say well Mike why wasn't that perfect well anyone who's followed the Ben Simmons saga say Ooh, nope nope not perfect and Jay, Jay would have known all about such things
0: yeah what about now with the Sixers? I mean, I don't know. As we talk here, they're getting ready to play uh, Miami in the Eastern Conference Semifinals. But Doc Rivers has come under heat, and I think he's uh, you know, he's lashed back at the press for some of their questions. I mean, does a Jay Wright could he fit now with the Sixers now that the Ben Simmons situation is over?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's just Ben Simmons. I I, I I'd be surprised, not not totally shocked, but a uh, different group of people running it. Uh, we're not his his people I don't I don't think Doc's going anywhere. I think if he'd lost in the last series, if you blow a three O lead to Toronto, you could talk about that. But I think he's he's gotten over the bar, especially with M B at least not playing these first couple of games against Miami. So you can't just pin it on uh, the the coach when, you know, they they now brought in people, you know, brought in James Harden. Let, let, let's see if James Harden can carry a team if, in the playoff series. If not, that's not on Doc. That might be more on Daryl Morey and, and and Harden himself. So, no, get back to Jay. You know, I, I, I don't think he's sitting there coaching, waiting. And also, you know, uh, Bob Ford, who retired after being our great columnist for all these years, always thought that Jay wouldn't take the Sixers anyway because – He's, he lives in Philly. Uh, he has a summer shore place. He doesn't want his legacy in his hometown to to be changed. When we all know, you know, Bobby Clark, best flyer ever, mm-hmm. then becomes questionable general manager, and, and that's what he's remembered for. So I, I'm not sure Jay will, will will mess with that around here.
0: You mentioned just a little bit ago about Jay Wright having the program the way he wanted it all set up. But now the changing landscape of college sports, so with NILs and the transfer portal, does, did Jay sense that he was maybe losing control because of those things because players are starting to get a little more a lot more freedom than they had in the past?
2: I, I, yeah, I, I mean, you have to look at such things, right? Uh, I would say on the portal, he still was had it the way he wanted it. and I mean that is his legacy. whileshshewsky and others, you know, Calipari famously, but Krzyzewski just as much, you know, bought into one-and-done. And Jay always said, we'll take a one-and-done. Well, they, they they never did take a one-and-done. They took, you know, some some two-and-dones, um, uh, you know, a, a uh, sit-out-a-year play-and-dones. Uh, but basically they had, you know, these long-term things. So that was set up, that part of it was set up pretty well. I mean, uh, the players who went into the portal from Villanova, um, there was a reason they were going to the portal uh, I, I I'm trying to remember if he lost a starter to the portal I don't remember that uh, and he picked up starters from the portal I mean they're more a, a buyer than a seller I mean Caleb Daniels you know came came from Tulane Eric Pascal came from from Fordham so the, so the portal itself I don't think uh, I think they could sidestep that very real issue Nil I, I can completely believe that uh, he, he, Jay Wright, you know, smarter than the average bear would realize that, you know, you can't ignore NIL. They did not ignore NIL at Villanova. Colin Gillespie was seen on a, on a radio ad uh, or a television ad for a car dealership that Jay Wright used to have that car dealership for. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, not entirely coincidentally, you know, suddenly. Uh, and and I had asked him at the Final Four, having... Fully expecting him to come back next year uh, about nil about the sort of the moral aspects is it is it easier to justify his his great salary um, by players being able to get something and he said he said yes that's a, a, absolutely and he thinks some players will stick around longer because of that uh, in, in college basketball another Jermaine Samuels he, he fully endorsed him going up to do. A Tom Brady clothing line endorsement uh, in in New York on a, on an off day from from Philly during the season. Uh, Jay Wright spoke about it and so did Samuels. Uh, so yes, it was going to it would be uh, a lot more to do to, to realize that you're going to you were going to be uh, recruiting in an NIL world for sure, and I, I, I can certainly believe it factored in. He said it did uh, his press conference, right? He said that it would take. Three or four years to sort of sort out how what they were doing, and uh, a man his age, maybe he didn't want to, you know, find his his terrain in a, in a new landscape. I can thousand percent uh, believe him when he says that that factor did.
0: What about TV for uh, Jay?
2: That's where I think he's going. Uh, he's 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 made for it. Uh, he he can. Distill still the game uh, as well as anyone I've ever um, dealt with. And I've been at the Inquirer now, finishing up my 40th, 34th year at the Inquirer, uh, and, and he can communicate the game. So it's not just Jay, you know, sitting there in a suit, you know, looking like uh, George Clooney. He, he, is, he, he can really analyze uh, a, a game. So, uh, you know, I, I tweeted that, that that's my guess is that uh, he'll replace Bill Raftery at some point. You know, Bill's seventy nine, I think. And maybe he'll go till he's one hundred and nine. Raftery, if anyone can, Raft can, I guess. Ra- uh, yeah, raph has got the onions. Uh, <laughs> he's and, and he's just great. He just sounds like a gym. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's as good as it gets. Uh, but could I believe those two have had a conversation already? Mm-hmm. Yes. Would I believe that any network from CBS to Fox to ESPN? Uh, would create a spot for Jay Wright as their top analyst I, I, I truly do believe that um, as we look at not just Krzyzewski leaving and Roy Williams leaving and Jay leaving but Dick Vitale aging uh, Raf 79 uh, Dick obviously as um, Dickie V has had his health issues just was able to ring the bell from getting through cancer and I'm not sure he'd ever want to stop but he might want to slow down a little bit, so you know the networks will be looking at that stuff. So, yeah, uh, I think uh, I, I'll be surprised if, if if we don't see Jay on television next week, whether it's studio or game analyst. What do we?
0: Yeah, what do we know about Jay's replacement, Kyle Neptune?
2: Uh, Kyle was a was a, an assistant coach on both the national championship teams. Uh, and and then ascended to top assistant just after the championship, uh, after the 18 championship when Ashley Howard took a LaSalle job. Um, he's, you know, was a very even-tempered assistant, um, sharp, went to, went to Fordham for, for uh, one season, Fordham overachieved. We, you know, anyone who follows college basketball knows Fordham is one of those jobs that's just, Always tough, baked in, uh, you know, uh, and he got over the the waterline in terms of being a, uh, uh, you know, right at five hundred. What, what did, I think they ended up right at five hundred, yeah. uh, which was good enough. So of the coach of the Jay Wright coaching tree, which honestly has not produced uh, a, a heck of a lot. There's there's been plenty of fruit out there, but but a lot of them have struggled. Uh, I, I was asking. Jay about that late in the season, and he said that these places, they tend to get jobs that are tough, and these places aren't Villanova. So, Kyle, on the one hand, you could say, boy, so they're taking a guy who's been a head coach for one year, uh, was the third assistant on the 2016 team, was the second assistant on the 2018 team, and elevating him to head coach, it's a big bump for Kyle Neptune, obviously. Uh, On the other hand, if you believe, and my thinking is like, when who knows who's out there? Who knows if Billy Donovan would take the job, or you know, Mark Few isn't going to take the job. But you know, the the next rung below college basketball, you know, whoever is the you know a, a Nick Cronin type who could go from uh, you know a Cincinnati to a UCLA and, and and do well, all sorts of people would 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 you know crawl to Villanova to take the job. Instead, they decided to keep it within. And on the one hand, my my first reaction was like, hmm, very interesting. I don't know if I would have done that. Then second thought was, you know, if you believe you've created something here uh, and you're worried about all those other things coming into play suddenly, the portal, NIL, all, all, all the rest, well, it makes more sense to let it keep riding. They have a team in place that will... Should be a top ten team uh, next year. Well, if suddenly uh, you announced that it was going to be a new head coach, it's going to be a national search. Well, all those guys go in the portal, and you're all starting over. And instead, why don't you see if if what Jay Wright created can be replicated without Jay Wright? It, it's a it's it's an experiment worth trying as opposed to starting over.
0: And how much pressure is on Kyle? Because you, you know the old adage is you want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaces the legend not the guy who replaces the legend
2: well I mean if you're Kyle Neptune and you were at Villanova then you're at Fordham you want the job you want the gig so is there pressure absolutely there's 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 pressure uh, there's there's no question about that but let me put it this way you didn't turn down the job to stay at Fordham mm-hmm.
0: yep yeah. Mike where can people find you on Twitter
2: uh, Jensen off campus, J-E-N-S-E-N off campus uh, is, is my uh, Twitter handle. And I uh, uh, pre- appreciate you uh, promoting, And uh, uh, thanks for having me, Ken.
0: Well, I appreciate you having on, and Mike. And we'll obviously maybe we'll talk down the road. And if I get down to Philly, I'll let you know. Maybe we'll get there, get a dinner or something.
2: Perfect. Sounds good. Pork sandwich on me. Uh, appreciate, I
0: appreciate it, Mike. Thanks a lot again. that's That's Mike Genshin. I'll wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest. And did I make it five straight victories? Come on back.
1: It's been a trying year for parents. They've been confronted with countless challenges and have always risen to the occasion. If it isn't too much to ask, the 370,000 high school student-athletes in New York have one last request. Please set an example. Disorderly fan conduct at high school athletic events is on the rise. It increasingly involves parents. There's no question that parents are passionate. There's no question they care about their children. But at a time when we're all wound a little more tightly than usual, it's worth remembering this about New York high school sports. Always be a good example. Stop unruly fan behavior before it starts.
0: This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
1: This is Daily Gazette reporter, Indiana Nash. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott.
0: Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 11 winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is Pamela LaBrake of Schenectady. Pamela wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Pamela. The VIP winner is Dwayne Leach of All Seasons Equipment. Sadly, my four-week winning streak was snapped. Time to start a new winning streak. I'll announce the winner of the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. If you'd like to play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click the Auto Racing Contest banner. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. And do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Mike McAdam and Mike Jensen for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shotts. That's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I am Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.